Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. If you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. Here's a change of schedule. Beginning April 29th until June 17th, we will be meeting at 8.30 a.m., 9.45 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 12.45 p.m. We are located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. Well, happy Mother's Day. So glad that uh, you are here. I have a a couple of Mother's Day memes uh, for you to get us underway. So for uh, really awesome daughters out there, mom, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? I don't know, dear. You'll have to ask grandma. (laughs) And for kids with lots and lots of questions, to mom, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I'm hot, can I have, can I watch, to dad, where's mom? (laughs) That was totally our experience. For college students that don't understand the mystery of those labels, all of those different icons and symbols, simply give it to your mother, she knows how to do it. And then for women who believe the marriage fairy tale. Marriage is a fairy tale, just in reverse. You start out at a ball in a beautiful gown and end up spending all day cleaning up after little people. (laughs) So happy Mother's Day. Glad you are here. All right, let's jump in. So sedate phobia is a real thing. This is the fear of silence, and it's a modern affliction, and it seems to be on the increase, we're told. Based on some observations of 580 undergraduate students, some researchers came to the conclusion that it's reasonably argued that the students' need for noise and their struggle with silence is a learned behavior. And they went back in history just a little bit to the previous generation, and they said, many of us grew up with the third parent. And you guys, some of you here will remember this. You know, we had TV running in the house nonstop. The third parent, they called it. And uh, it was just constantly filling kind of the background noise. And now, the researchers say, with the ubiquity of smartphones and streaming music and everything, it's just, it's made this situation even worse. And they said that it doesn't allow people to learn how to deal with silence and all of its psychological trappings. An interesting way of phrasing it. For some people, they said, it is impossible to meditate or sit in a quiet room for even a few minutes as they always need their phone, music, TV, or even the noise of traffic around them. Something is in the silence. They actually had these kids fill out a whole, the students fill out a whole big project on this, and then they, as part of the assignment, they had them go and spend an hour out in the quiet, just sitting for an hour or walking or something just for an hour with no noise. And the students came back and started to realize the awkward relationship they had with uh, with silence. One of the students said that the lack of noise made them uncomfortable and it actually seemed foreboding. This idea that something bad was about to happen because of the silence. Another said that they had a fear of peace and quiet. What a fascinating way. We, we long for, we'd like to say, it's peace and quiet. We, give me a little peace and quiet around here. Like this is what we grew up with. And they're saying, no, no, the peace and quiet is actually 
scary. Did anybody see the movie The Quiet Place? Am I the because no one else is seeing this movie? Anyway, it's not a Mother's Day movie, so don't be like, oh, I have an idea for Mother's Day. No. It actually seems like on the surface that it's a straight-up monster movie, but then hiding under the surface is this brilliant psychological thriller. And what's so neat about it, it's really a new favorite movie of mine, the movie was so quiet that the theater itself became eerily quiet, so much so that you didn't want to even crunch your popcorn. And I'm not kidding, like everyone in the, in the whole theater felt the exact same way. And you're like, you're staring at this screen and there isn't a sound being made anywhere. No background music on the, in the story. And you're like, and you're just, it's just, it was reverberating. The si and the monsters were scary, but, but somehow the silence is what actually drew you into this movie in such an unusual and a powerful way. See, I think we are increasingly uncomfortable in the quiet spaces. We find it hard to even find quiet spaces, especially here on Long Island. So I, I actually hunt uh, out east for like the whole of the season, like fall and winter. And so, you know, you try to find the most isolated and secluded places that you can. And you know, you can never actually get lost in Long Island. It's impossible. No matter how deep in the woods you are, all you do is you listen for the droning and the beeping cars, and you just walk toward them. And eventually, you'll find some. It'd be like 15 minutes, and you're out of, out of death's grip. Like, that's all it takes. You can't actually get lost. Or maybe for you, really, it's just that little slight dinging or the little vibrating of our devices. It's the ever present auditory onslaught of TV and music and radio that greets you wherever you are. It's the pleading voices of advertisers in all of our visual space. Blogs and articles and podcasts and, and journals and they're all joining in this cacophony of voices that are arresting our attention. And it's not just the actual noise, although there's plenty of that. It's not just that. What about the psychic noise? What I mean by this is the weight that you feel nearly every moment of every day because of all of the clutter, the clamor, maybe for you. It's the weight of your task list or the lack of empty space in your calendar. Maybe it's the endless projects that are beckoning for just a little bit of your attention. It's hard to find a single person who does not feel like they are too busy. In fact, now it's a badge of honor, right? To be, imagine this week, I want you to, when somebody asks you, hey, um, how you doing this week? And you say, I'm doing great. I have like nothing to do. Like I have, I, the whole day is ahead of it. You're going to have a hard time even saying it. Even if it's true, you're going to have a hard time saying it because it feels like somehow that's like, that means you're like not important or cool or something. You have, I, I walk in on a Monday morning and I'm like, look at my task list. I, I whine about this every Monday morning. I come in like, there's 45 items on this. I tell Christmas gets so sick of hearing this. But like, what am I even doing? How, how is it that we've become, we've come to take pride in the fact that we can't manage our lives without this incessant busyness. What happened? What shift took place? And yet now it's a badge of honor. Quiet spaces seem 
like a luxury that few of us can afford. And I even wonder how many of us really even want them. I think we're even fearful of what we would find in those quiet places. The whole series that we've been doing since Easter has been about discerning God's voice in a whole variety of different ways. And so we've been looking through the, at the importance of the Bible in helping us in hearing from God. We talked about uh, how God uses people in our lives. Last week, Trevor just crushed it with a powerful message on pain and how God speaks to us through our pain. Chris did a great message on opening and closing of doors as another way that God leads us. These are just to name a few of what we've been covering since Easter. Today, we focus on the reality that if we want to regularly hear the voice of God, then we need quiet spaces to do it. So let's open to a case study in Mark 1.35. Mark 1.35. And you'll see in this passage and really throughout the gospel of Mark and the other gospels, we will find Jesus regularly pulling away from the busyness of life and from the crazy amount of voices obligations and responsibilities that he had, we see him regularly pulling away because Jesus needed a quiet place to hear from God. Mark 1.35. How, how many morning people are here? How many people would say, I'm a morning person? How many? It's getting later in the day, so there should be less hands. Otherwise, you would have been here at the less full service. Um, all right, so... This is for you who claim to be morning people at 11.52. <laughs> Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. All right, flip over to Mark chapter 6, verse 45. How many of you here are night owls? How many night owls? All right, we got a few night owls, absolutely. By the way, we have another service after this one. It's the fourth service. You can come as late to that as you want, I think, um, it seems. So Mark 6, 45, this is for all of you evening people. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. See, Jesus, it didn't matter whether it was going to be early or whether it was going to be late. He found quiet and solitary places, even when he was exhausted. In fact, perhaps especially when he was exhausted, Jesus ruthlessly carved out time with the Father. I can assure you, if Jesus needed it, you need it. See, when he comes back from his quiet times with the Father, he was ready to do what God told him to do next. Maybe it was move on to another city so he could teach. Another time he picked his disciples after spending a night in prayer. This time he's going to walk on water and meet his disciples in the middle. I mean, he, he was, came back ready to do exactly what God had for him to do. And we all need a quiet place to hear from God. 
The place itself is less important than the discipline of actually finding the place. That place for time to read and pray and maybe journal and you get to worship and you get to wait, you get to talk, but most importantly, you get to listen. That's a key part of what we're trying to accomplish here because we will need a quiet place to hear from God. In his book, uh, Whisper, Mark Batterson, he points out that many of the greats throughout history had a quiet place. Thomas Edison had a thinking chair. Alexander Graham Bell had a dreaming place. Thoreau skipped rocks on Walden Pond. Beethoven took afternoon walks with a pencil and paper in hand, waiting for inspiration to strike. And it can happen sporadically for sure. It can just kind of happen in the normal parts of life. You know, for me, I get on the motorcycle, I ride out east, and all of a sudden I find myself, I grab a little snack, and I sit at the beach or something like that, and I can have these great quiet moments. But, but those aren't the best of these quiet spaces, these quiet places. Because for me, the most significant moments with God have come because I have set aside a time and a place to regularly meet with God. And I think that this effort can be made to do it every single day. And it can be a quiet corner of your house right when you wake up, or maybe it's an afternoon stroll in the park and you've got that bench that becomes yours. And, or maybe for others, it's a little bit of quiet time in the evening after everything sort of settles down and you get to, to kind of refocus and, and think through the day that was behind you and the day that is coming. The goal of this is to, is to waste time with God. That's how I like to think about it. Waste time with God. Because I don't want, and it's not really a waste, of course, because you're actually with God, but it feels like that because you're not coming in with an agenda. You're coming in just to spend time with your Savior. And this is so important because if you think back on your life, many of the great relationships that you have formed over the years happened because you were wasting time with people. You were just hanging out. You were just being together. When you were a kid, you would just like, you know, we would jump on our BMX bikes. We would ride through the, the, you know, the whole town all day long. And our moms would say, just go, I'll see you at dinner. And that was it. And they didn't even know where we were. It was crazy. You'd never do that today. But anyway, we would do that. We did that like hours and hours and hours. We would just be out and we would be together. And we formed all of these, these great bonds. And we had these little adventures and sometimes a little bit of mischief. But together, those relationships, they were just being cemented by the, the endless hours that we would spend in each other's presence. And in college, you had a similar experience. If you were away at college and you sat with those people and you just talked about stupid things for hours on end and you just you wasted time together and you formed these incredibly deep bonds I actually think that's part of the reason that moms have such a special place in our hearts because of the countless hours they have wasted with us like you think about it right all those midnight feedings right like I mean just constant hours and hours you go to the park and they sit on the bench and they just hang out and they watch you and you know it's the same book over and over and over and over again and it's like really you got it memorized by now you're on the next page before I turn the page why are we even doing you know you build it and the kids knock it down you build it again they knock it down you build it again you're like wow this is awesome I don't feel like we're making progress can we keep building no you got to knock it down this seems like, seems like a waste of time, but of course it isn't. There's a special place that our mothers have in our hearts because of all of this time that was invested in the relationship. That's what we're talking about, doing with God. Researchers actually tell us that our brain waves sync up with the people that we hang out with. 
which is pretty fascinating. Their brain, your brain, they kind of sync up. So Dr. Moran Cerf, he's a researcher from Northwest University, he says, the more we study engagement, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. This means the people you hang out with actually have an impact on your engagement with reality beyond what you can explain. It has the effect, he says, of you becoming alike. You simply become like the people you sit next to. So look around. No. So because it syncs up, your brain waves actually will sync up. Scientifically, this is so cool because sometimes in your life, you get to a place where you might feel just a little disjointed in the world. You feel a little bit out of phase, a little disconnected. You're not really in the flow of the divine spirit. And you think, what is going on? Well, maybe you just need to spend some time with God. You need to hang out. You need to get into his proximity in such a way that your brain waves will actually sync up with the creator of the universe. No wonder we get to hear his voice in times like this. Now, in addition to a quiet place to read and pray and worship, we need another type of quiet place. We need a quiet soul to hear God, a quiet soul. Open up in a Bible to Psalm 46, please. Psalm 46, verse 1. This is a psalm that's structured with all of this chaos at the beginning and then a straightforward command at the end. Many people have turned to this psalm in times of struggle, and there's a great reason for it. Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Now jump down to verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So God is our refuge and our strength. And no matter what is going on, whatever chaos the world throws at you, whether it's the earth falling out from under your feet or the surging water breaks its bounds and floods your hopes and dreams or the mountains tremble and, and they fall upon your plans and they block your paths. In those moments, we get to run into the city of God and we find peace for our souls. So we don't have to fear when the nations are in an uproar, when despots and presidents threaten war, and when economists say collapse is coming, and when politicians lie and repent and lie again. It doesn't matter what goes on in the nations. When, social, when the society crumbles from a neglect of its soul, it is in that very moment that God lifts his voice. That's when we hear him. And he speaks into the chaos. And maybe that chaos is a little closer to home. Maybe you have insecurities at work or uncertainty about future decisions. Or maybe you've got a wandering kid and you're at your wit's end. You don't know what to do. 
You've got loved ones who are suffering in, a, in hospitals. You have this frenetic pace of life with technology and hobbies and side gigs and sports and all of it. In those moments, we like this idea where God says, be still. Be still. But there's a little twist in this. See, we hear this and we think he's sort of talking about this contemplative pause in your day. Where we're like, oh, now would be a nice time to sort of meditate. Get myself into some sort of a meditative trance or something. But he isn't really speaking here about silence or even quiet. This is actually in its context and in its grammar, it's a command. What he's really doing here is he's saying, knock it off. He's saying, come to attention, as if your commanding officer had just stepped into the room and says, attention, everybody, you know, snaps to attention. That's actually what's going on here. He's saying, you've got to be still. You have to stop squirming, and you have to stop fretting, and you have to stop worrying. Knock it off. Why? See, when we worry and we fret, and we strive, and we struggle, and we maneuver, and we manipulate, and we wring our hands... We hurry and we hurry and we hurry from one thing to the next. When we do this, we're actually in sin. We are rebelling against the all-powerful God of creation who is commanding us right here to stop it. He's saying, knock it off. Trust me. And there's the key. All of our fretting and all of our worry, all of our hurry, it's a lack of trust in this all-powerful God who can speak into the chaos. Think about it. Why is it that we fill our lives past capacity? I mean, maybe we want more than we have. We want more money. We want more success. We want more power. We want more opportunities for our kids so we can't close any door. We got to sign them up for this and do this and run to here, run to there, because who knows what opportunity will be the great break. We have to make certain they have every opportunity. Maybe we have fears that need alleviating. And because of that, we run and we run and we run from one inferior solution to the next. Here's the problem. When we fill our lives past capacity, we will rarely hear the voice of God. You know how many times... We're working with a couple, they have some sort of marital conflict, and we kind of get in there, we kind of try to figure it out and help them through this. Do you know how many times there are marital conflicts and struggles through nothing more than neglect? There's no big issue that took place. There was no big fight, no big indiscretion or anything. Very often, it's a, just a whole long period of neglect. Why? How does this happen? See, you have no time you have less love because you cannot love in a hurry. It doesn't work. Godly people throughout history tell us the importance of a quiet soul if we want to hear from God. And we need this quiet soul. So we have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. So do you want to hear from God? Do you want to hear from God? Because if you do, you're going to need to create quiet spaces. And you will not be able to have a personal relationship with God without communication. You will not have communication without communion. So you've got to create these quiet spaces. 
But maybe you're scared of the quiet spaces. Maybe that's why you hesitate. Maybe you're not so sure you want to do that because you're not really sure what you'll hear. Maybe you worry about how you'll feel. Maybe the silence makes you ask uncomfortable questions. Maybe that's the voice of God. Maybe that's exactly the road you need to go down. Maybe you need to step into those quiet places and spaces. Maybe that's exactly what your soul is longing for. Maybe there you're going to find out that you need to give up unhealthy habits. Or maybe you've been lulled into a lethargy that allows a whole series of slothful habits that sort of keep your mind and your soul addicted to little bits of noisy stimuli. And maybe it's in those quiet moments where God will reveal his perfect will and his plan for you. So you need to create these quiet spaces. So what is your plan? So ushers, would you guys come and hand out those uh, little cards that we've got over there? This is a little assignment for you guys. This is just a tiny little roadmap that I'm going to encourage you to do sometime over the next few days in order to help you create these quiet spaces. This will help you come up with, with a rudimentary working plan. So here we go. Here's what we do. On the front side of the card, you will find two memory verses for you. And I'd love for you to commit these to memory. I had memorized the first one, Mark 135, many, many, many years ago. And I use it as a daily reminder of doing the same thing that is in the verse. To go out early in the morning while it was still dark to find a solitary place to pray. And this is, has been a transformative experience for me. And the next verse, Psalm 46, is a verse to encourage you to remember that God is commanding you each day to be still. To create space in your soul so that you can hear from him. So memorize those. That's the first step in the plan. Then you're going to create an action plan on the back side of the card. There is a when and a where that you are going to have a daily devotional time with God. And I'd like you to just jot down the time and the location. And this will make it concrete for you. This will actually tell you what your goal will be. Now, if you have no daily time with God whatsoever, then start nice and easy. Give yourself 15 minutes a day. And just say, you know what, I'm going to give 15 minutes, I'm going to do it at this time in the morning, I'm going to do it this time in the afternoon or in the evening, I'm going to do it right here in that place, so that you have an actual plan that tomorrow morning you can start working. You can do this immediately. Now you might say, I don't have 15 minutes. Well, listen, every single day you get up, you, you, you brush your teeth and you get dressed, I hope, and you, have, and, and, you, and, you, and you have breakfast and you eat three meals and usually a few snacks and you do other stuff. You have social media. and you have, I guarantee you, you have done things every single day of your life that take up more than 15-minute chunks. So it's not a question of whether you have it. It's a question of whether you will prioritize it. And what I'm saying is it will, it will, give, it will reap such incredible rewards. Just start it and see if God will meet you in that place. Now, maybe you're, you know, a little bit, you're, you're already doing this, maybe 15 minutes, maybe you want to add, add another, maybe you want to go to 30 minutes, or maybe you want to figure out, maybe you, you do an hour every three days, but now you're going to shoot for an hour every day or something. And lots of saints throughout the years have spoken about their hour alone with God every day. And they've been doing this, many of them, just every single day for the whole of their lives. And they talk about the incredible transformative power it has and how regularly they hear from God in these moments. 
So wherever you're at, see if you can solidify it and increase it and push it to a place where you can hear even more from God. Now, another experiment here is, is when you will spend four hours alone with God in the next two months. Many of you have never done a discipline like this, so this is a great little experiment for you. Just pick a date, pick a time, make the plan to do it. You know, you have to switch with your spouse to watch kids, or you have a friend who can do, do watch your kids while you watch their kids, or maybe you just need to, you know, hire a babysitter like you would if you were going out, you know, for a night on the town or going to a show or something like that. Like, you know, it's four hours. You can block that out. You can figure it out. If it's important to you, you will actually be able to find the time to do it. And so I would encourage you to try this. And you know, all you're doing is you're going with your Bible and you're going with a, you know, maybe a journal and a pen and you're just going to sit and be with God for four hours. You're going to waste a little time with him and you're going to sync up your brain waves in a new and in a powerful way. We'd love to hear the stories about what happens when you guys actually engage in a spiritual discipline like this. And then the last one here is what must I give up or change to reduce the hurry in my life. And only you know what the solution to this is going to be. Only you know. You've got all sorts of things that are going on that are clamoring for your attention. Maybe for you it's just too much social media or it's too much TV or it's too much running from here and there and to sign the kids up to too many things. I have too many little side gigs or projects. I'm making money here and here and here, but maybe you don't need to make all of that money. Maybe there's too much going on and it's causing you to run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And you got to get a little bit more at the kind of the motivation and what's driving you to do all of these things. But, but see if you could list a few different things. What are things that you can eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate from your life in order to make space in your soul? so that you might be able to hear from God. Because if you do these kinds of things, if you pursue these kinds of disciplines, you will create opportunities where you can commune with the creator of the universe. And I promise you, he will meet you there. And you will never regret the time that you put in the energy, the effort that you put into cultivating that kind of a relationship with your creator. I'm going to ask the band to come up and they're going to lead us in a song as we, they prepare us our hearts to come to the Lord's table. Uh, but as they do that, I'm going to ask that you guys would stand and just uh, let me pray for you. Father, we just take a moment even right now and Lord, as each person fills out this a little card over the next few days, I'm praying that you would be with them in it, that you would be encouraging them, Lord giving them wisdom and insight into their own lives, helping them see. Lord, even now, they're already thinking about the things that have caused the craziness to go unchallenged and unabated in their lives, the attitudes and the decisions that we've made, Lord. And Father, I'm asking that you would meet each person where they're at. Open up their hearts so they might value even more and more being in your presence. We pray that you'd help us to create these quiet places. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.